Welcome to Locked On NFL, the number one daily NFL podcast on the number one daily sports podcast network alongside the scout Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. You can subscribe to this show on all of your favorite podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you like to find your shows. You'll find this one and all the shows here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can follow Matt at Williamson NFL. We are finishing up the week with the last group of players that ran at the NFL Combine and weighed in and measured up. That is the defensive backs, safeties, and corners. Takeaways here on on that position group who helped themselves in Indy, who hurt themselves maybe in Indy. And we have a little bit of news before that, Matt, to get into. And it happened once, at least per offseason. And this one is a little surprising because I didn't think there was anything in Quinn and Williams' past that would make me think he would do something this stupid, and I don't know what the story <laughs> is behind it, but he tried to board an airplane at LaGuardia Airport in New York with a handgun. Like, was this just in his backpack and he forgot about it? Like, how how does this even happen? That's what I'm sitting here thinking. Is like, again, I don't think he has a bad reputation. He had an unflattering rookie year, you know, just on the field and injuries had something to do with that. And by much, most of us expected much more of an impact from him. So you don't like negative things surrounding someone after, I guess, a negative rookie year. But to give the young man the benefit of the doubt, it has to be the situation you mentioned. I mean, was it just in a bag that he, that he, you know, took the, <laughs> was it packed that he didn't know it i guess is the only thing i could say that yeah. would excuse it to think that you could get on with it or there's any reason to have it is the dumbest thing i ever heard so <laughs> to say that i mean yeah. i'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt and th- say he didn't know or somehow it was in his bag and he didn't think twice about it otherwise oh lordy so he was carrying the gun with an alabama permit uh but and so he actually wasn't at the point where he's getting on the plane. It looks like he was at some point. I don't know if he got past the security check with it, which is another <laughs> thing altogether, happened? which I don't know at what point before he got on the plane, he was found to have this, but he had an Alabama permit. Um, and it, actually there is precedent for an NFL player at the very same airport to have a gun. Former Bucks defensive end Daquan Bowers actually uh, had the same oh, yeah. charge. He pled guilty disorderly conduct was the final charge no jail time so it doesn't look like a, it's going to be that big of a deal but i don't know what quinn williams was thinking i mean everybody knows you can't be rolling with a with a gun <laughs> at an, an airport, airport? <laughs> i uh, mean no matter what permit you have no matter what uh, permit you have i mean who cares and and i don't know how you could possibly prove you know plead innocent i mean right you have it and you're in an airport and there's all the proof in the world i mean I'm old. I mean, I'm 46, and I, I try to put my my head in these young players' shoes. I mean, in their minds a little bit. I mean, are they so far detached from 9/11 that they don't think about it like we do at our age? I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think of reasons, it uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> Tighten it up, Quinn. Come on. Real quick, Amari Cooper talking on a radio show yesterday said he wants to remain a cowboy for life, and it sounds like the Cowboys want to. Do a deal with Cooper. It's going to be difficult. They've got to throw down a whole bunch of money for both Cooper and Dak Prescott, and it pre- it seems pretty much uh, a done deal that Byron Jones is going to leave in free agency because they just don't have enough money to do all those things. Yeah, and 
I think this is kind of to be expected. I mean, it's been a great landing spot for Cooper. You would think that Dak, not that he has ultimate power or any power, but if you're signing into deal, hey, I really want to keep Amari around too. I mean, they had a real uncanny um, on-the-field relationship since the the minute Amari showed up. There was no acclimation period. So I think you really want to keep those two intact. I mean, I like Michael Gallup. But you can't just go into the the offseason with him as your only weapon. I mean, so that offense was exceptional last year, one of the best in the league. If you can bring it mostly intact and then spend the majority of your draft and remaining free agent capital on the defensive side of the ball, I think that's the best approach. But they're going to lose some defensive linemen in the process or their secondary is going to take a hit. Their first and third levels of defense are going to be pretty weak. A couple of quick notes on some linemen, Brandon Sheriff. Uh, working to be locked up by uh, the Redskins. That's reported by NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, trying to get a long-term deal done there. Um, and I don't know if you have any thoughts on him or Jadavian Clowney has been linked to the New York Giants. He said that he, that the Giants are on Clowney's list, a, a team he's interested in playing for in New York. Let's start there because we know Gettleman loves big people. The Giants, more than any team of my lifetime, want big people for every position, you know, relatively speaking. I mean, they want, you know, not just linemen. I just mean big people for their respective position, big, powerful players like Clowney. They have the interior dudes. They need edge pass rush in a big way. Um, a lot of three, four looks. They can move him around. They could bump him inside in against the, the, the pass. I think that fit makes a ton of sense. But I got to say, and this isn't a knock really on Clowney as a, a player, I think he headlines my list of going to be most overpaid free agent this year. I mean, there's there's not much in the way of edge in the um, the draft. There is some in, in free agency, but he's not a great pass rusher. I mean, he's a very good player. He's a power player. He shuts down the run. He's versatile. His motor runs hot and cold. Sometimes when it's hot, he's very much a wild player. But it wouldn't shock me if two years from now we're saying, boy, the Giants are going to release, release Clowney. He's a $22 million cap hit. It's one of the reasons I like pro football focus, and some people agree with how they grade, some people don't. But looking deeper than just sack numbers and, and looking mm-hmm. at disruption and pressures and things like that, and, and Clowney's definitely on the side of, he is a disruptor and he's a power player, but he's not that guy that's going to get you 15 sacks a year. And it's hard to put a number on that, but being the freak that he is and the animal that he is and his ability to sometimes take over games, even though it's hot and cold and being the former number one overall pick and the former number one recruit coming out of high school. I mean, all those things come together and you end up being a, a, such a valuable commodity does the production match that? And they're talking $20 million, $23 million a year for Jadavian Clowney. I mean, that is a lot of money if you're not pretty much the best defensive player in football. Yeah, right. I just don't think he's Khalil Mack, you know, when he signed his deal. Or, you know, I don't think he's in the conversation for one of the best defensive players in football, Aaron Donald, you know. We have a timetable on the CBA, and the vote is officially now to the players. They have a week to vote on this thing, and the the week started yesterday, so doing this show Friday, Thursday, March 12th, is now the deadline for the CBA for the players to have voted on this thing. So next week at this time, we'll have some answers on whether the new collective bargaining agreement will be ratified or not. 
Thursday, March 12th. Next Thursday is also the date that has been set as the new franchise tag deadline. So hopefully the vote is before that so teams know whether they have the one tag or the two tag, and we'll see those franchise tags officially coming down by next Thursday. So we will finally have some answers as we head toward free agency. Yeah, and I don't have much more to add to that, but it is newsworthy. I'm glad you mentioned it. Seems like it's getting close. I mean, it's not like people are sitting on their hands with this thing. Uh, the players are getting you – know, all sides are being very aggressive to get it done, and I think that's all we can ask for right now. Let's talk cornerbacks. Let's talk safeties. Let's talk some serious speed from the NFL Combine. Let's talk corners just because they're the headliners, Matt, with the speed, and we did have one sub-4-3 time when it comes to cornerbacks – Javelin K. Guidry. Such a great name, too. Javelin Guidry out of Utah. He's not going to be a high draft pick, and he is a, a track guy, one of those players that people thought, yeah, maybe if, if someone breaks John Ross's record, it's going to be Ruggs or it's going to be Javelin Guidry. Javelin Guidry throwing down a 4 2 9 40 time, and uh, he can fly, which is good because he's not the biggest player in the world. 5'9, 191. You got to shout out that, that 40 time, and uh, he can flat run. I think he's still more of a day three guy, but hey, it's fun to watch the fast guys run fast. Yeah, and certainly noteworthy. I mean, we knew he was going to be fast. He proved that anyone that runs sub four three, we got to at least bring up. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, he probably gets a little overdrafted as a result. But a big picture, if I'm going to take a, a flyer on, or not in that, it's I, I think forty times for corners are more important than forty times for wide receivers. Yep. I'm I'm very sure of it. So. He's short, but he's not poorly built. You know, he's not a short-armed guy. Um, I would imagine he's more of an outside corner. I don't think he's a great change of direction dude. Didn't do any of the other uh, uh, tests. But uh, he certainly helped his cause. Maybe he sneaks in the end of day two. He did do one other test, which was not running, but it was the bench press. 21 reps at 191 is not bad either. Very good, right. I mean, again, he's not a super short-armed dude. uh, Over 31-inch arms. He's a well-built guy, so... He passed all tests. I think there's two bigger winners, even though they didn't run quite that fast at the combine at the cornerback position. Uh, I would say it's Florida's CJ Henderson, who showed up bigger and insanely fast running a 439 at 6'1 and 205 pounds. I mean, that is fantastic for CJ Henderson. And I saw him sneaking into some first round mocks. And at this point, I don't think there's any question that he's going to be a consensus number two corner on some teams' boards. And who knows? Maybe. Maybe overtake, probably not, but maybe overtake on some teams' draft boards if they want a little bit more speed and has the size to go along with it over Jeffrey Okuda, who ran a four four eight. Yeah, I don't see that. I mean, I think it's worth like bringing it. up, but I think Okuda is very entrenched as the first player off the board at his position. He did nothing to hurt himself either, um, except he hurt himself. Um, CJ, (laughs) (laughs) I think Henderson's got the second spot pretty locked up. Some people still are really high on Fulton who had a good combine as well, but one, I mean, watching Henderson, he's not real big in run support tackling. They're not really his fortes. I was a little shocked that he was just, you know, a quarter of an inch under six, one, two Oh five good on the bench thick. I mean, his jumps were great. I didn't realize how big and powerful he was because he doesn't play that way. Yeah. But so I think he's he's a man-to-man corner, kind of like um, LSU kid last year, but better. Um, Browns took him in the early second round. Jackson. 
Oh right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the thing I watched with with CJ Henderson and I wanted to go back to him when I saw that 40 time and I was like, okay, I haven't watched enough corners and this is a first round hype guy who might have locked himself into the first round, maybe even the top half of the first round with his workouts and showing up as big as fast as he is. You see the speed on film and and it was the oh, same yeah. with Denzel Mims when he ran that time. It's like, is he that fast? And then you see him open it up at Baylor. It's like, oh yeah, okay, there it is. There that speed is absolutely on film. CJ Henderson the tackling is the big uh question with him, but there's times when he does see it and he does go get him, whether it's on a blitz or he sees a, a screen in front of him in the backfield. When he sees it, his closing speed and his catch up speed is unreal. So uh, the speed is absolutely for real. And when you can show up with that kind of athleticism at 6'1, 204, CJ Henderson absolutely helped himself. Yeah. And I think he goes pretty early, not just a number two corner. To your point, maybe closest, closer to Acuna than we would have thought. Um, it does seem like a pretty good corner draft. It looks like there's mm-hmm. 10 starters in that neighborhood. Everyone talks about the tackles and the wide receivers, but the corner class overall is pretty decent too, the more I dig in. Not meant- all the guys were worked out though. You mentioned Christian Fulton, and I think he really helped himself and might have solidified himself in the first round area, probably in the back half of the first round. Another six footer, uh, right around six feet, 197 pounds, ran a 446. You know, fine time, a pretty good three cone, sub seven seconds, 694, 35 and a half inch vertical. So good jumps, good agility drills, just a a solid all around cover guy. Yeah, right. And didn't have his best game in the in the championship game so people kind of thought oh his stocks dropped but dude i mean the other the guy on the other side of him singletary is going to be an elite elite player and i guess fulton had some interviews where he said hey you're a corner you're gonna get beat once in a while you know i put it behind me have a short memory i mean that's exactly what you want to hear i mean just be realistic you're playing top competition you're gonna allow some catches he's good he's a great player the one knock, it's not really even a knock on Okuda, but one of the things that, that you put in the plus side for Fulton that you don't necessarily put in the plus side for Okuda is just the conference they played in. The guys that Fulton had yeah. to go up against week after week was a lot better than the competition Okuda had to face. Yeah, and there's something to be said for that. You know, I mean, you play in that conference, and even just your teammates are a difficult chore. Not that Okudas aren't, but um, no, you're right. I mean, definitely the, the speed and the receivers are playing against the SEC is much more difficult. I think maybe after Henderson, the next biggest winner at the Combine was Clemson's cornerback, A.J. Terrell, who another like solid size, great speed, 6'1", 195, a 4'4", 240. Uh, very good day for him. And if you're trying to be a first-round corner, uh, running 4'4s and being 6 feet plus, is one of the best ways to do that. Good start. Yep. I mean, that in itself goes a really long way. There's just not many of those human beings on the planet and everyone's looking for them. I tend to, I'm leery of saying this because I say it about more than 32 people, but I bet he's a first round pick, but I've I've said that about 40 guys so far. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, what's tough about the draft. There's those 15 to 20 guys. We're like, okay, these are the first rounders for sure. But then there's another group that's like, man, this is, this guy could be a first rounder. He could go pick 21 and that wouldn't shock me. And AJ Terrell is definitely one of those players for me. And uh, it's, it's, it looks like a nice deep draft for corners and it's, it's that way for wide receivers. It's that way for offensive tackles. And it seems like just about every team needs one of those three or all three of those three positions. Yeah, and guys like 
Trevon Diggs, we haven't even brought up, who's probably a first round pick. And, you know, guys like Bryce Hall are interesting. So, yeah, the more I've, uh, I'm afraid to say his name, but the, the dude from Auburn with the long name, a lot of ability there. I mean, so <laughs> it does look like, you know, Troy Pride's another one from Notre Dame that are all going to be top two day picks. And you know that that position gets eaten up quick, but there's a lot of them to go around. Were there any combine losers for you? At the corner position, um, who is the the Mississippi State kid? Oh, yeah, Cameron Dansler. That was the one I was looking at. That that's a rough one. I think both Stanford Samuels and Cam Dansler. They're both yeah. bigger corners, but running four sixes is you're in a deep hole to begin with. And Cameron Dansler is the one I think that was more surprising, and he had. Uh, some helium this season, 6'2", came in skinny too, 188 pounds, and still only threw down a 4'6", 4'40 time. Uh, that's going to hurt him quite a bit. It is. Um, you know, I read some pro football focus reports on him after that, and he was one of the guys that they said, trust the tape, not the numbers. I've watched some of them. He doesn't play super slow. I mean, he's highly productive. I wonder, but I mean, I do think 40 times matter for corners, but I wonder if he's that guy that would have been a second rounder. You get him in the third. And then we're talking about like, like Chauncey, um, a Gardner uh, Johnson. Yeah, exactly. He he, he goes by CJ now, CJ Gardner Johnson. There we go. You know, that had a really good rookie year and just a good football player. Yeah. I loved CJ last year, Gardner Johnson. And uh, just versatile because you could play him at outside yeah. corner. You could play him in the slot. You could play him at safety. And the Saints played him at pretty much all those positions. I think he played a lot of that slot hybrid role that's getting more popular in the league. And I think the Saints a little bit ahead of the curve getting, I think, a steal in C.J. Gardner Johnson last year. So if you can find someone that can do all of those things for your defense with the way offenses are playing the game now, I think you are uh, definitely in a good situation on defense. And those guys are going to start having more and more value, even if they're not that base first 11 player if you're the 12th guy you're you're basically a starter at that point yeah i mean you're really the 11th guy you know back to our point right of what you know what base really is a nose tackles your 12th guy stanford samuels i mentioned four six five forty time at six one 187 pounds out of florida state those two guys i think were hurt the most by what they did at the combine you mentioned really quick uh digs whose ball skills has size he did not run at the combine 61 205 another long corner uh, 40 times going to be big for him on deciding his final uh, landing spot in the draft yeah i mean he he needs to sort through the the fultons and some of these other guys we mentioned of where he lands probably in the first round or basically from picks 20 to 40 in that neighborhood um everything i've seen from him though i think is pretty impressive i mentioned jeffrey okuda that, that maybe might not be ecstatic about a 44840 time which is still blazing and still plenty fast for how long he is uh, some of the longest arms at the cornerback position in this draft 61205 41 inch vertical 113 broad jump which were uh, at the top of his cornerback class just a freak athlete I, I love how confident he is I, I love how he handled reporters who said he played sloppy and he's like uh I had zero pass interference calls on me in my career <laughs> right. so, uh I, I Jeffrey Okuda is like he's just uh, such an easy prospect to to love and evaluate which is why he's going to be the first corner off the board he's a hard one to find negatives for like there aren't many prospects where you can come up with uh the negative column being pretty empty and his is pretty empty 
And it's the other things you mentioned the short memory for AJ Terrell and you know, the competitive nature. And those things are so important for the cornerback position with the, the pressure that's put on them in the NFL. Right, right. You have to have the right mentality and the right mindset without question. Uh, some safeties were flying out there as well. Let's get into the safety class next. I've got one big winner at the combine, and, and the guy that made me run back to the film, and that was Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois, who's actually related, and I didn't know this, to Steve Atwater. And uh, he's bigger, oh. actually, than Steve Atwater, as big as Steve Atwater was back in the day. 6'3", 221 pounds, ran a 4 four, five, 41 inch vertical. The guy had 13 interceptions in his college career. I don't know if anybody uh, helped themselves more than Jeremy Chin. I don't know if he gets out of the second round because he's just too big athletic and he makes plays on the football. Yeah. And his future might be more on the second level than in the deep middle or deep half, but he can run. I mean, compare him to Murray and Queen and some of the other linebackers that are maybe, you know, a little bit heavier, but I mean, the numbers are really similar and, and really, really impressive. He, he screams second round. I think you're right on that. I'm thinking a team that runs maybe the scheme that Seattle runs and you're looking for yeah. Cam Chancellor. That's the role I think I like for Jeremy Chin, where you're a big safety, but you're in the box a lot and you can cover, you can be close to the line of scrimmage. And um, he's not a perfect prospect. I know there's been some questions about his instincts, but how can you have bad instincts and intercept 13 balls in your career? Right. And level competition helps with that without a doubt. Um, speaking of which, I think Kyle Duggar is also in that mold. He ran a four four nine as well. I think he's a better football player than Chin, though. I mean, I think he even goes higher. Yes, Duggar, very good coming downhill, supremely athletic, 42-inch vertical, 4-4-9-40, not quite as big. I've seen people talk about a linebacker role, and, and he's big for a safety, but he's still 6-1-2-17. That's getting a little bit small for, for a linebacker role. I mean, you know, maybe that dime linebacker, but I still see a strong safety in, in Kyle Duggar. And level of competition, obviously, questions coming out of Lenore Ryan, but Kyle Duggar has helped himself throughout the entire process. And those are the guys that usually surprise people how high they go when you when you go to the Senior Bowl and you handle your business there. Then you go to the Combine and you show that you are physically on par with NFL athletes after you just had a dominating career. Kyle Duggar has had a fantastic offseason. Yeah, and you don't use second-round picks for this, but they both look like immediate studs on special teams. I was disappointed that two free safeties that potentially could go in the last half of the first round both didn't run, and I expect both to fly, which was what was disappointing about it. LSU's Grant Delpit, who his stock has fallen. I mean, he was thought of as the best safety in this class coming into the 2019 season, had some problems with missed tackles, but his uh, his ability to move and see things, and he plays a little bit of a a poor man's Jamal Adams is, is what he looked like to me when he was playing at LSU. Not the not quite the box safety that Adams was. He was playing on the back half, but he will use his instincts to go see what he sees and go make plays. And you can tell that that's how they're coached up at LSU. And I like Grant Delpit, and, and I think he's getting maybe unfairly deemed a little bit for the season he had with what he put on tape in 2018 and his career at LSU and his physical ability. He's 6'2 and a half, 213 pounds, but he did not run, which was unfortunate. So LSU's pro day is going to be a big one because a lot of guys didn't run there. Yeah, and he played with injuries but missed a ton of tackles. He was a guy that, you know, after the pass draft, everyone's talking about him like the top 10 pick in this in this draft. And frankly, like when the Steelers traded for Minka, 
I thought that might have been their pick, you know, like basically giving up Delpit for Minka at that point early in the season. Uh, I'd much rather have Minka at this point, and, right. and I don't mean to go down that road, but um, maybe Delpit's more like the player from two years ago than we saw this past year. That's what's big scouting difficult is figuring out what you're really seeing. But overall, I don't really see anyone resembling a top top half of the first round safety. Where Delpit shines to me is he's got that range where if you need someone to play middle of the field safety, deep, single high, he can do that. He's athletic mm-hmm. enough to do that. And I think that's key for Delpit. And I think he probably wants to put the best time out there to prove that he can be that guy. Another player who's a former track. And there's not a lot of them. You know, right. there's yes. a shortage of those in this draft, too. And it's not a great safety class overall. And we'll talk about a million guys. Hey, great box safety. I love the instincts. I love the right. attitude. But it's like it's much more rare to find that single high guy who can go sideline to sideline from the middle of the field. And that's where Del Pitt's going to make his money. Another guy, similarly, Ashton Davis out of Cal, 6'1", 202 pounds, did not run. And he should fly, which was also disappointing that he didn't run. Right, it is. But maybe the best is yet to come. And I know there's not as much focus on pro days, but that doesn't mean that the people in charge aren't listening. I mean, Davis, to me, has a chance to... Be one of the top two or three safeties picked, don't you think? Along with, uh, you know, Xavier McKinney and Delpit. And he could be in that neighborhood. He could be. Yeah, most of the mock drafts I see, they put one free safety type in there at the end of the first round. And it's usually either Delpit or Davis. And it's kind of 50-50 okay. at this point. Yeah, and it seems like Davis's stock is going up while Delpit's is going down. Pro Days might have a lot to say about that. One player at the safety position who did run and has been in first round mocks. And, and, and a lot of times I'm seeing him as the first safety off the board. Might have heard his case here in Xavier McKinney because he's more of a strong safety type, but he showed up weighing, he was six feet flat, 201 pounds, which is not small, but he's not your big physical presence as a box safety. And he could play, you know, he's interchangeable, free safety, strong safety, but then runs a four six three, which also did not help his case of being someone who uh, who could range in the back end of your defense. So pr- probably not the best combine for Xavier McKinney, although the tape is great. Right, right. And I, Expected him to weigh more and run less, and right. he did the opposite, which is a bad combination. Overall, a four six, a low six, four six safety doesn't bother me. I mean, if you're instinctual and you don't waste steps, and you're right, his tape is very good. But he didn't do himself any favors. I mean, decent job, decent vertical, but I mean, uh, overall, this was not a good weekend for him. Yeah, and, and low four sixes is still a fast human being, and, and plenty fast for a safety, a strong safety, top speed wise. But that's one of the things that's happening at the Combine is these guys are so good and some people are running so fast that average times now are bad times, you know? And, right, and great. Right. And someone like Ruggs is like, oh, man, I thought he was going to break the record. He only ran a 4.27. It's like, all right, so calm down, people. You don't know what you're talking yeah, about, right? And, but at the same time, it's almost like they need to shake it up and they need to change up the way that combine the Combine 40s are run and work out 40s a run because it's become such a science and guys are so good at it you almost need to shock the system and surprise them and 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 find a different way to measure what that speed is whether you're just checking miles per hour uh it's just it's just such an odd event at this point throw some pads on them and see how they run yeah yeah throw pads on them or or don't let like don't let them take off on their own make them react to something i don't know it's it's just hand them a football and like release a tiger I like that. Yeah. Like they're getting chased in the ro- in, in the, on a field. Like, right. Yeah. Start the linebacker yeah. five yards behind him and say, if yeah. he catches you, he catches you. You don't want to and be a uh, lunch. Right. And we're, uh, you know, we're, we're 
we're taking both your times, the linebacker <laughs> and the running back, and make it competitive. Uh, one more player who helped himself out quite a bit is Antoine Winfield Jr. And if you want to feel great. Yeah, if you want to feel old, Antoine Winfield's son is uh, an NFL prospect, and and so is right. Randy Moss's son. And uh, those kind of things uh, always. I remember them coming out of school when it was their turn, you know, <laughs> yeah. and they I watched their combine. Uh, 5'9", 203 pounds. He ran a 4'4'5", and uh, he's a younger prospect, too. So not as much tape put out there as some of these other safeties, but uh, solidified himself as absolutely that, I think, second-round type of player and the workout he needed to have, for sure. I'm glad you brought him up, and I want to also mention Tanner Muse before we go, but watching Winfield, studying Winfield post-combine, I'm not so sure that he's not the best player in this group. He might be. I mean, it's all there. Yeah. Instincts, uh, side uh, height wise is not there. But for a safety, it's sort of like Other running back. That. It's like I don't really care how tall you are as a safety. It's not that big of a deal. And he has just about everything else, and showed that the speed is there too. Yeah, I mean, he's a very, very good football player. You can tell Daddy was a good football player, and I love the way his dad played. There's similarities. I liked watching Winfield in the drills, his pedal, um, thickness. I think he's going to be every bit as good as any of these guys we mentioned. And this is really a perfect class for teams because they don't want to draft first-round safeties. They want to wait to round two, and if they can get Delpit, Ashton Davis, Antoine Winfield in the second round, McKinney in the second round, that is going to make teams much happier than trying to go uh, get a safety in the first round because even as safeties become more and more important in the league, teams are still a little bit hesitant at that position to spend high draft picks and high dollars on it. Right, right, and... Would you put the over under at like one for safety or one and a half? I would in the first round. Yeah, I, I would take the under on one and a half. Me too. Yeah, so it uh, one is probably the maximum I feel really comfortable with. Two wouldn't be shocking if three safeties go in the first round. I'd be very surprised. Yeah, and again, if the over under is one and a half, I'm going under. I agree with you. We'll get deeper into this position group and all of the positions as we get close to the draft and really rank these players out. We've got plenty of time in March and April to do that. We're going to turn our attention to free agency next week after Mock Draft Monday. It's going to be a fun week. We'll get some answers with the CBA, some franchise tags. We'll have it all broken down for you right here. Locked on NFL. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.